Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. This morning that the church is unfortunately empty today, but the good news is the grave is empty also. That Jesus is no longer in the tomb. He's raised to life just like he said he would. You know, and today all Christians worldwide are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, you know, during this time that this was happening, you know, uh, the, the people that were around Jesus, some of them didn't even know that the, that the coming Messiah was among them. Didn't even know that it was coming to pass, the prophecies that were being fulfilled. You know, some didn't even realize it until the end of Jesus' life. Can you imagine that? Jesus walking by you, you're seeing miracles, you're seeing these things come to pass. You don't necessarily understand what is happening, but you know there's something more to it than just a normal day-to-day. That when Jesus showed up, everything began to change. You know, from his first miracle when he turned the water into wine, you know, it was something super insignificant. And you're like, well, why did he do it? What, you know, what, 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 did it, what did it show? But it began to begin slowly showing how powerful and how awesome Jesus was. That he had the ability on earth, really uh, the same authority that God had to accomplish and do all of these things that he desired to do. So this morning, I want to start by asking you a question. Do you know why the resurrection is so important? And, I, and I'm going to pause just for a moment and let you think about that. Why is the resurrection so important? This morning, if you say, well, I don't know. I've learned it when I was in Sunday school. We've always talked about it. We talked about the resurrection. But truthfully, Pastor Noe, I don't really know why it is so important and why it is so significant. So this morning, we're going to jump right into Scripture. I'm going to share a good bit of Scripture content just because I want us to base it on Scripture, not just the opinion of men. So we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 15. And the first few verses in that chapter, we're going to look at verses 3 through 8 first. Starting in verse 3, it says, For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to Scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter. And then to the twelve, verse six, after that he appeared to more than 500 people, or 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom were still living, though some of them had fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one of abnormally born. Then let's go down to verses 12 through 22. It says, starting in verse 12, it says, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead. How can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? So we got to see, guys, that he's making a connection. Verse 13, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God, and we have raised Christ from, uh, that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ. We are to be pitied more than all men. So right here in this passage, he is saying, if there is no resurrection of Christ, there's no resurrection of the dead. If there's no resurrection of the dead, there's no resurrection of the Christ. Let's keep going because it gets a little bit better. Um, It says, 
if we look a little bit further in verse 20, it says, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came from, through a man, the resurrection of the dead also came through a man. For as in Adam all died, so Christ all will be made alive. So we have to see that, you know, this resurrection is pivotal. It's, it's critical because if he did not raise from the dead, then everything is false. There's, there, there's no hope after death. There's no hope to salvation. You know, we, we remove uh, his glorious resurrection. It changes the whole story. So, we, it, so this is the hope that we have in Christ, that he was raised from the dead and that, you know, we will also be raised. That's the hope that we have. And if there's a resurrection, there's also a judgment that will follow this life. So he didn't only die for our sins through physical punishment, but look, this is, let's look what this passage says, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. It says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So this week, man, this passage really, really stood out to, to my wife and I as we were talking about it. I know that we, we think of the, of the moment where Jesus was on the cross and he had this horrific beating and blood and crown of thorns and all of these things. But look at this. It's not that he just carried the sin of the world on his shoulders, but what does that passage say? Him who had no sin, he became sin. Now think about that. That is a whole nother level of depth to it. He became sin, the ugliness, the filthiness of sin. He became it. He didn't just bear it. He became it. He was not familiar with sin, but he made a choice to be sin so that we might become the righteousness of Christ. It, would, it cost that much. It was a big deal. 2 Corinthians 5.10, he says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one of us may receive what is due for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So we have to understand that there, if there's a resurrection, you know, and there's something more at the end of this life, then what we do in this lifetime, guys, matters more than we know. We can't just continue to live life as we know it. And, you know, I really believe that God is using this time and this season to radically shake the believers for him. To say, what are you going to stand for? What are you going to believe in? How bad will, will it get for, to cause you to lose your faith? Or will your faith never be shaken? I believe that things in life, hardships, are, are that catalyst that cause our faith to grow. But will we acknowledge our faithlessness? Or will we see faithfulness in our lives? I think we have to evaluate each of us personally. Where are we at in our trust with God? You know, I hope that we are reading the Word of God more than we ever have rather than listening to the news. I heard somebody say in a quote that said, man, if we are spending more time reading novels or reading books or reading, reading um, books about the Bible, we need to reverse that and we need to make sure we're reading the Bible more than any other book we're reading so that God would allow us to see those scriptures and meditate on those scriptures and that he would highlight those things, that we wouldn't base it on somebody's opinion, but we would base it on what the word of God truly says. This morning, I want to look at three things that happened following the resurrection of Christ. Um, our core scripture is going to be John 20, 19 through 23. So we'll have the scriptures on the bottom. If you've got your word with you at your home, you can look at it also. John 20, 19 through 23, starting in verse 19. 
It says, On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his sides. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Verse 21, And again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, I am sending you. And with that he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 23, he said, If you forgive anyone his sins, then they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So as we look at this scripture and we break it down, we're going to look at three different things. First and foremost, what did they do? They celebrated. There was a celebration that happened. Secondly, there was a... um, There was a commission that that was stated. Jesus gave them an instruction as far as what they would do, what they would accomplish, what he was leaving, the work that he was leaving behind for the disciples to do, but also that same requirement for us as believers. You know, I know some people think that a lot of this criteria is, is built just for the disciples, but the disciples were just the springboard for pushing the gospel forward for the for the for the amount of time until Jesus returns. You know, so I think as we read through this, just make sure that you make this personal. This isn't something that was just for the apostles. This wasn't something that just was for the disciples. But I believe that that authority that Christ gave mankind when he left was given to every believer. But what is going to limit us in your life and what is going to limit God's power in your life is faith to believe that it is possible. It says, according to your faith, you shall receive. So if you're limited in your faith, you say, oh, that's not for me. I can't do that. I can't do those things that Jesus, Jesus did. Well, let me tell you, if the same Spirit of God lives inside of us that raised Jesus from the dead, there may be more ability and more authority within us that God desires us to release than we know anything about. So as we go through this, man, I want to challenge you with that. So, so they celebrated. There was a commission, and, and then there was also a comforting, and we'll look at that a little bit, be, little bit more when I talk about comforting. So first and foremost, they celebrated. So there was a celebration that took place uh, with, with some of the disciples, and you know they could not wrap their mind around what was happening because it was truly a miracle. But, that, but Christ came and he stood among them alive and well. You know, I think that that passage is so is so funny because it says that they locked their door, they they bolted it, they were they were in fear of the Jews, and Jesus just shows up. So what do we see here? In his resurrected form, he doesn't have to knock. He doesn't have to turn the deadbolt. He can walk right in and make himself known. You know, but then he doesn't stop there. He says, he says, hey, look at my hands. Look at my side right here, you know, that was pierced, you know, because there was a little bit of a lack of faith and fear. Amongst the celebration, I don't know if you've been ever super excited and nervous at the same time, you know, where you're like, man, you know, I'm super excited, but deep down you're, you're kind of trembling. You know, but there was a celebration because their Messiah was standing before them. If we look at Matthew 28, 1 through 10, I'm, I'm going to cover some of, the, some of the passages from here just kind of in a summary. But if you want to make a note, Matthew 28, 1 through 10, you know, this is where um, you, see, you see Mary, Magdalene, and Mary, they go to the tomb. And what first happens is an angel shows up and, and, and they're startled, they're terrified. They see that the, that the tomb has been rolled back and the body is missing. And, he's, and the angel says to them, he says, he has risen just as he said. But every single time, I'm so amazed. What do they say every single time? Do not be afraid. Fear not. It's going to be okay. I give you my peace. I give you my confidence. You know, because I think in our own understanding, the initial response to seeing God work mightily is fear. But how can we determine what is truly of the Spirit of God 
and what is the spirit of the evil one, because we have to understand there are multiple spirits in the earth. But I believe when there is peace and there is trust and it aligns with the word of God, that, that it is aligned with the spirit of God. But he says, do not be afraid. So first and foremost, the angel shows up and, and speaks to them at the tomb, says, do not be afraid. And it says, they were afraid, yet filled with joy. So were they joyful or were they feel, fearful or were they both? Well, the passage says it was both. They were joyful, but they were also fearful. They didn't know what to think. I think that, you know, their spirit was beginning to leap within them for what they had seen, that the, that the Messiah of promise had happened. He had raised from the dead. But I think that fearful part was in the mind. The mind was trying to catch up with the spirit. It couldn't process it quick enough. And, it, and I think that there was that saying, well, how, how, how did it happen? What happened? Because you see her response. What was her initial response? She didn't show up at the tomb and say, yes, he raised from the dead. When she first showed up, she said, someone has stolen the body. Who would do this? Who would take our Messiah? Who would roll back the stone? So there was this emotions as they celebrated. So then, then, then the two ladies, they're on their way to, to go tell the disciples. It says, go tell the disciples. So they aren't just go, they're not just walking. It says that they were running to go tell the disciples. And on the road, they are greeted. Uh, and suddenly Jesus met them and said, greetings. When they saw him, they says that they came to him. They clasped his feet and they worshiped him. And this is his response. Do not be afraid. Go tell my brothers. Go to Galilee. Uh, there, there they will see me. So we, see, so we see this process of just this God, uh, Jesus revealing himself to those, but there's also this faith, there's this, there, there's this fear, but there's this joy. But we see that there is a celebration coming. We see all of these things begin to unravel. Also, some of the context when we look at John 20, there's, there's a little bit more of the story. It says the disciples show up. And, you know, he, sa he says kind of the same thing. He says, hey, don't hold on to me because, you know, I have not yet returned to my father. You know, the disciples are wondering where he's at. They show up at the grave. But Jesus was alive and he had fully accomplished his part of the master plan. If we look at Matthew 28, 17, it says, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. I believe this was one of the, the, the pinnacle emotional moments of the disciples' lives. You know, that they had trusted and they had hoped that the Messiah would raise from the dead and, and come back to life. And, and, and I don't think every, they, did, they couldn't connect the dots. For us, it's kind of easy because we're on the other side of it. We saw the whole picture. We know, we know the story. Now, you know, we have to have faith to believe. We weren't there to see Jesus. You know, but the, the scripture says, how much more powerful is it for those who have not seen yet believe than those who have actually seen? Now, there was still faith required on the disciples' part, but for us to believe and not see is the pinnacle of our faith. It's something that calls us, that, that, that draws us to who Jesus is and what he's done. So we have to understand that Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave. I believe the devil at that moment of Christ's crucifixion, I believe that he thought he had won. He thought it was over. We have killed the Messiah. We've accomplished everything. And they had no understanding of how, of how wrong, the devil had no idea of how wrong he was, that this was all part of the master plan. For, he, he, for God truly reconciled us once again back to himself, where we could remain in right standing with God. All of heaven celebrated at the restoration of what was lost 
that but was now redeemed by Jesus, his powerful words of saying, it is finished. If we look at some of the things that happened, Matthew 27, 51 through 54, it talks about in that moment where, where he gave up his last breath. It says in verse 51 of Matthew 27, it says, At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split. The tombs broke open and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs, and after Jesus' resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. Verse 54, when the centurion and those with Jesus were, who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that happened, they were terrified. Everyone was terrified and fearful at the coming of the Messiah. But this is what happened, and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. So there was a shifting, guys. There was something that happened. When it says that the veil was torn from top to bottom, I believe that it was torn from heaven to earth so that no man could tear that veil, but it was the power of God being released in the face of the earth. We see that, that tombs were broken open, not just, you know, not just Jesus raised from the dead, but it says other holy people appeared to many other people. They came to the holy city. So there was life-giving power that was transferred into the earth at that moment when Jesus came as the perfect sacrifice. It released a power into the earth like we have never seen. And that is where we are living today, guys. So it is a moment of celebration. It's an exciting time. And there's also a shifting of where people who maybe didn't believe begin to say, if this proves to be true and I place my faith in it, Surely this was the Son of God. So there was a shifting. There was a celebration. Also, there was a, there, we, there was a commission that, that Jesus gave His disciples when we look at that passage because it says, and, and after this, He showed them His hands, His feet, and He says, Peace I give with you. And He says, As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. I'm referencing that John 20, 19 through 23, like I said. That's the framework. So it says that he, as, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. So Jesus comes to the 11, the 11 disciples, and he meets them on the mountain where Jesus told them to do and gives them specific, a specific commission. They worshiped, but some doubted. Thomas was on the mountain with them at all, also. But he tells them, look at my hands, look at my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. That's Luke 24, 38, and 39. You know, so he was trying to do everything. He says, look, man, you know, I'm, I'm real. He was trying to shake that reality that he was back. It wasn't just something that was fake or a hoax, but it was a true reality. So in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, this is kind of the same account, but just from a little different take. It says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. As surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Notice he says baptized now. He, he gives a little bit different direction because, you know, John the Baptist, he was baptizing in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins. But here he gives them a little bit different wordage. And there's, there's kind of sometimes controversy. Well, who do you baptize into? I'll tell you what, at this church, I baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit because worst case scenario, I've touched base with all of them. We've covered all of them as the church. 
But he says, when you baptize them, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Why, why did he say it this way? Because I believe this was going to be part of the new equation. The Holy Spirit was still now going to be involved in a greater capacity than he has ever been allowed to be a part of. This was part of the new covenant. So there is a commissioning, a, a going, a doing what God wants each of us to do. It's focused on a spiritual kingdom, not just an earthly kingdom. I know many of us are so focused sometimes on the earthly kingdom. What do I need to eat? What do I need to wear? The basic needs. But God is shifting us and asking us to, to fulfill a commission that does not focus on an earthly kingdom, but focuses on a, on a, on a, uh, a, a, a spiritual kingdom. It matters so much. I want you guys to know that anything that we accomplish in life that, that's worthwhile will require a lot of work. It's not going to come easy. It's not going to come with, with no sacrifice. This passage, Matthew 9, 6, it says, The Son of Man has authority on the earth to forgive sins. If we look at that verse 23 real quick of John 20, it says, And if you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, I know a lot of you will say, well, that was Jesus. You know, that, that was what Jesus was allowed to do. So here's the loaded question I have for you today. How much authority did Jesus give us? Did he limit his authority or did he give us full authority, the same authority that he had in the earth? Now, I know sometimes we're going to be limited in our authority that we, that we function in because of our lack of understanding, our lack of belief. But that wasn't the question. I said, what amount of authority did he give us? You know, when, when, that, when Jesus said that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins on the earth, do you realize he said that so that he could totally rattle the Pharisees? And they, and they, and they ridiculed him and said, how can you forgive sins? Only God can. But what we don't understand, the big picture is that God gave Jesus the same authority he had while he was here on the earth, even the authority to forgive sin. So what are you saying, Pastor Noe? You know, Becky and I were talking this week and said, either God gave us all authority or he's given us no authority. He doesn't withhold some of his authority. He wants us to walk in the fullness of his authority. You know, I'm so mindful of scripture where it says that you will even do greater things than you've seen me done. We cannot do that, guys, without the full power of his authority flowing and functioning in our lives by the power of his Holy Spirit. We cannot accomplish those things on our own. But every time that Jesus did something, he did it under the power of God, flowing through him. He was all man, but he was all God, functioning in the full authority of God. So when Jesus uh, commissioned us, he gave us that full authority. We have to understand that it was a complete transfer. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. And if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. You know, for me, this even boggles my thought process you mean I can go up to someone and say, hey, your sins are forgiven under the authority of God and they'll be forgiven? It's exactly what Jesus did. So I think there is a measure. And it's, I'm not saying we do this in a uh, prideful, arrogant, boastful kind of way, but we function in the authority of God. As God allows us to release that authority, that we release it to its fullness. Now, God's going to really, really have, in, have to speak to me even as a pastor if I'm going to go up to you and I'm going to say, your sins are forgiven, just like Jesus did. But I believe that as that authority that he's given us, we can release that authority in the lives of people. 
And really, if you understand what Jesus was saying, he was just releasing the authoritative word of what God was already doing. Those sins had already been forgiven. But the thing that start that kind of shakes my philosophy and my thought process is when it says, if you do not forgive them, then they're not forgiven. You know, so I, th- I think they can go both ways that, you know, if, if you don't respond correctly, the restitution and the forgiveness of sin is not there. But to those who respond correctly, they will be forgiven. So we, ha- we either have all the authority or we have very, very limited authority on the earth. But God has commissioned us to accomplish things, to do things here on the earth. Will we co-labor with Him? So we celebrated. They, they, they were commissioned, and then they were comforted. So that word comfort, let, let me give you a little bit of framework on that. So if we look at John 14, 16, this is Jesus talking. He says, I will ask the Father, and He will give you another counselor. In the King James Version, it says comforter to be with you forever. And in verse 17, it says the spirit of truth. So when we talk about being comforted, you know, uh, that if the Holy Spirit lives within us, we will receive comfort. It's something that, that that's who he is. We will receive comfort. John 16, 7, it says, but I tell you the truth, it is good that I'm going away. This is Jesus talking again. Uh, He said, unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, If Jesus leaves this earth and he goes back to the Father, he says, I will send him to you. If we jump down to verse 13 of John 16, it says, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, this is what the Spirit of truth, the counselor, the comforter does in our lives. It says, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Verse 28 of that same chapter, John 16 I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I am leaving the world and going back to the Father. We go back to our core verse, John 20, 22. And it says that he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Man, you you, you didn't see it like this in the Old Testament, guys. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come and it would rest on someone for a while. You'd see prophets, you'd see kings, you'd see, you'd, see, you'd see all these guys working under the unction of the Holy Spirit. And then it's like the Holy Spirit would leave and, and then he would go and he would, he would come and he would rest on someone else. There was a transference happening. The reason why this new covenant was better, because the Holy Spirit could be given to each and every believer. He could be in me, he could be in you. So think of the effectiveness that happens when the Holy Spirit empowers us and lives within us. It allows you, under the same authority, under the same power, to be led and guided by the Holy Spirit. So it says that they received the Holy Spirit, and I believe that this was, this was the salvation process of where when we receive salvation now, after Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and lives within us. He immediately begins to, to, to work in our lives, to, to strengthen our lives. You know, salvation and the Holy Spirit, they're tied together. There's no longer, well, you can get saved, but you can't have the Holy Spirit. Man, it's like a two-for-one special. When you ask for salvation, the Holy Spirit comes and lives within you. Now, the measure that He has released in your life, as we'll look at a scripture right now, it, it's, it's, gonna, it's really pivotal on allowing Him to fully be released in your life. If we look at Luke 24, 49, after this, he says, now go and wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. So you got to stop. So as we're looking at the scripture, it says, hey, 
you know, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. But then he told them, hey, yeah, still wait for this power that's going to come through the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, so for us, it looks like, well, is the power, is the Holy Spirit in them? Is he not in them? Is he powerful? Is he not powerful? What's going on? There was a process that had to happen for the empowerment. What does that passage say? Unless I go to the Father, I cannot send the Holy Spirit. Where was Jesus at that moment? He was still standing face to face with his disciples. He was still speaking to them. Uh, for 40 days, he, he, was, he was still on the earth. He had not yet went to the Father. So they said, you have to wait for the Holy Spirit. But the moment that Jesus went to heaven and he took his rightful place at the right hand of God, he looked at God and he said, send them the promise. Send them the comfort of the Holy Spirit who has been given in my name to all who believe. And so at that moment, the Holy Spirit begins to be released. So believers will have the Holy Spirit in a whole new way from that moment on when Jesus is, is at the right hand of God. If we look at Acts 1, 4 through 5, this is his instructions. He says, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Verse 5, For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Guys, we have to know that Jesus left us with everything that we would need to live the Christian life. He didn't shortchange it. He didn't give us just a little bit where we would struggle. He did a completed work on the cross. So living in the, in the, in the new covenant of his grace and his, his empowerment of the Holy Spirit, it is an awesome thing. Look at this passage in Acts real quick. But in a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And power. That's what it says in verse 8. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So how do we accomplish this? How do, the, how do the disciples accomplish this through the ends of the earth if they only live for a short amount of time? Well, they can't unless we take the torch, guys, if we take that mantle and we continue to do the work that, that Christ has commissioned us to do. So there's three things in closing this morning. Jesus desires us to celebrate his resurrection. If the joy of the Lord is not your strength, this morning I ask that God would overwhelm you with his goodness that we would be able to celebrate and that you would find joy in your life. You may be fearful, but I'm believing that you will be fearfully full of joy in this understanding of who Christ is. He's wanting us to fulfill his commission. He wants us to accomplish things on this earth for him. He needs our help. So this morning, if, if that's something that you are willing to do, I think in your homes, wherever you're at, just lift your hand and say, God, I'll do whatever you ask. Whatever you ask of me, Lord, I'll do it. I don't know how, but I'll do it. And then, by the power of His Holy Spirit living within us, it allows us to be all that God has called us to be. So this commission, guys, it's not just for the pastors, the preachers, the teachers. The commission is for me, for you, for everyone, everyone who comes to believe. And the Holy Spirit is a free gift. 
Maybe you didn't know nothing about it because nobody's ever told you about it. I know that was the case for me. I got saved, but I didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. So my, my situation, it was kind of split up. I didn't get everything together just because I didn't know. But today, if you, have, if you are a child of God and you have received salvation, if you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sin and He didn't just die, but He raised from the dead, today you have eternal life. But He also offers you the greatest gift ever. If you'll ask. The Holy Spirit's already living inside of you. But what we need to do is release Him in the full power and authority that, that God has really orchestrated Him to function in. Hebrews 10.39 But we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. So today, let's celebrate. Matthew 28.6 He is not here. He is risen just as He said He would. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Let me pray over you while we close. Father, we thank You for Your goodness to us. Father, I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice, watching live, or maybe you're watching this a few days later, but I believe that God is going to overwhelm you with His presence that the Holy Spirit, even, even as we uh, talked about, about Him, that He would come to life in your life right now. Father, I pray that You would just release Your people under the full authority that You've given them. That we wouldn't be people that shrink back or have received the lie of the enemy. But Father, that we would be all that You've called us to be. And at the end of all of it, Lord, that you would look at us and that as we stand before your, your judgment seat, that you would say, well done, good and faithful servant. Father, I thank you that you came into this world by sending your son so that we might have life and life more abundantly. We love you. We praise you. And Father, we celebrate the victory we have in Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen and amen. I want you guys to just have an awesome Easter. Hey, following this service, we're going to do something a little bit different. Um, we are going to post a link to a Zoom meeting. So following this, we're all going to hop on, and we're just going to leave it open as long as we want. Also in the comments section, there should be a link with, with the code to be able to get on there. If you've never done it, click on the link, download the app, and then hit connect to meeting. Make sure that ID code is in there. There's no password required for it, and you should be able to connect. We want to see your face. We want to just be able to talk with you for a little bit. But I just wish you guys a happy Easter. I'm so excited that we can still celebrate Easter, even though we're not present because it doesn't change the story. But you guys be blessed. We love you. And on behalf of Harvest Time Church, we can't wait to get to see you guys again and hug your neck. You guys be blessed. Looking forward to spending some time with you guys next week. Y'all have an awesome Easter. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.